Awesome. Well, good morning. It's great to see you all. This is so exciting, isn't it? Isn't it exciting when we come together and we seek Jesus and we come together? I mean, all those songs, I'm going, wow, Lord, it's like you knew my message. <laughs> they just lined up so well. It was such an encouragement. Even, even, even the prayer, you know, she's like, oh, Lord, those who come with costly prayers. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, this is exciting. I just love how God does that because he wants to encourage encourage us right encourage us and uh, and 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 I've been I've been listening to different messages and getting built up and encouraged and I've been listening to message on spiritual hunger by Corey Russell go check it out it's awesome and I want to share some thoughts that God's been giving to me as I've been meditating on this and listening to this and and running after this Woo! Who's here? Who here is hungry? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's this hunger, this cry. And, and how many of you know that if you've been running after this for a while, you realize that it, it, it's disruptive. When you begin to really press into God, things start changing. Things start shaking in your life. When this guy started crying out, crying out for spiritual hunger, his eight-month-old son passed away in his sleep. I mean, that's pretty, pretty crazy, hey? But what is, what is God doing? I don't want to put a heavy on this. But, but there, there is a cry that God wants to awaken in us, a cry in our heart that he will use circumstances to do that in. He will put us into tight places. He will put us into, in, in, into in between a rock and a hard place. So there's, there's only a couple options. We either retreat and go home or we press in. We go after what we want, what we're desperate for, what we need. And so this, this really is about that. It's about when we, when we, when we go after God and we, and we see there is so much more for God that I am not willing to live without I've got to have more. Then God begins to put a virus in you that begins to cry out for him, that begins to get up early, that begins to fast, that begins to seek him. It, it, it becomes the thing in your life that you are going after and you're willing to sacrifice for it. Yeah, it's this, it's this growing thing that infects you and influences you. But God uses circumstances as well to bring forth that cry in our life. And we see, we see Jesus after his baptism. He gets, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness where he prays and fasts for 40 days. And God is working in him. And, oh, and it says he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes uh, into the synagogue and he proclaims the Spirit of God is on me. And he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And, to, you know, this is my life verse. But, I'm, I, but he, he just begins, he leaves that place after they try and throw him off a cliff. And then he just starts blowing up places. He, the, the demons are screaming as they come out of people, and people are getting healed, and, and, and it's just such a powerful, powerful time. And we see, we see people start, do you mind if I just throw those down? It would just help me. Then they, and, and, and we see uh, that Jesus, he is this man on fire. And people are like, whoa, and they're following him by the hundreds, by the thousands. They are following him as he just keeps delivering, setting free, healing proclaiming the gospel, and then he finally gets to this point 
where he gathers them into this huge, uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It must have been like an amphitheater. The theater. Can you imagine being in a being in a big football stadium, right? And we're all like, "Come on, Jesus, you're amazing. What do you got for us?" He's like, "Does anybody want to be happy?" And everyone's like, "Yes, we want to be happy." He's like, "Great, because that's what the kingdoms are for." Anybody want to be happy? Yeah, we want to be happy. Great. <laughs> and what does he say? Ooh. <laughs> he says, great, blessed are those who, happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They're like, yeah! Uh, what? Wait, 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 you were talking about being happy. What does that have to do with mourning, with crying out, with desperation? What does that have to do with this? Blessed are those who are meek. Wait, 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 they'll, you know, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. Happy are those who are meek, who are humble, who are lowly, who are broken, who are the nothings? What? Yeah, yeah. And and it goes very quiet. And he says, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Oh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Oh, you know, what do we know about hunger? Have you been fasting? And you get those horrible feelings in your stomach and you're really hungry. <laughs> it's terrible. But for some of us, you know, maybe hunger is, is between break and lunch. When we're going, how am I going to make it through? I'm starving. I'm star- maybe just the Snickers or this <laughs> marathon, bar. you know, what can I do to, yeah, what is starvation? What do we know about real hunger? I mean, what comes in your mind when you think about hunger? Do, do you get the pictures of the helicopters coming over to places that have been devastated by storm, by disaster, and they've been waiting for weeks for relief, and, and the helicopters drop food parcels, and these people run tearing each other to get what they need to survive and what their families need to survive. And Jesus said, blessed are you if you have hunger like that for my righteousness, for my kingdom, for you will be filled. Whoa, whoa, blessed are you. When you begin to go after God with such a hunger and a desperation that it begins to possess you, that the most important thing becomes the most important thing and everything else becomes insignificant. As we go after God, as we seek him, blessed are you if you're touching that righteousness, that hunger for his righteousness Jesus is establishing his kingdom. He's he's telling us what it looks like. He gives us these four beatitudes to kind of tell us. I'm talking about poverty of spirit, complete bankruptcy. That if God doesn't touch your spirit, if you don't receive from him, you're done. A cry that goes out from our heart. You see, hungry people become vulnerable. They become pliable. They are like putty in God's hands. 
And God is raising up a people who's saying, God, I will do whatever it takes to have you, to have you, to have your kingdom in my life. Whatever it takes, God, I want to go after you. Oh, wouldn't it be exciting to be around one another as we get a hold of this and we begin, begin provoking each other? Our church in this nation, whoa, it'd be awesome. Going after God. Jesus said, blessed are you who mourn. You're going to be comforted. What's the condition of being filled? It's being hungry. The condition to be filled is to be hungry. So what do we need to pray? God, make me hungry. Stir up this hunger inside of me. Provoke me today. Is that okay if I provoke you today? It's more than emotion. God wants to come in and disrupt our status quo. He wants to come in and provoke us to a deeper intimacy with him. A deeper place in God. Who's heard of John G. Lake? He's one of my heroes. Crazy guy. American missionary who went to South Africa. He, he walked in so much of the power of God and the anointing of God. He saw miracles, signs and wonders, crazy healings, deliverance. He planted all kinds of churches, churches under an apostolic anointing. He just went for it. He went after it. And he, and he said... Uh, Mm. Uh, yeah, no, no, sorry, I thought it was a quote. I was going to say a quote. But um, this man, he was, he was possessed with this hunger from God that he would be so filled. He had this vision that there was more from God, and he was going after it. He was crying out to God. Do you know, do you know he, he grew up in a, in a home where there was terrible sickness and infirmity. He, he, he buried four of his brothers, four of his sisters, and four relatives. His father spent all of their money on trying to bring wholeness and health to the family and, and failed miserably. It didn't work. And he got so fed up with man's uh, solutions. He said he felt like he vomited up dependence on man. And, and he, he had this amazing job. He was making about 60000 a year, which was like, he was like a millionaire. I mean, he was making a fortune. But this hunger began to grow in his heart, and he became so desperate for God. He was not going to settle. He was, he was fed up with what he saw around him. And he said, God, I've got to have more. I've got to have more. And even people around him were saying, oh, you've got God. You're full of God. No. And he was like, oh, I'm just going to go after this. I'm not going to settle for anything. And he pursued God until finally God met him. He was on this chair, and he, he fell out of the chair. The power of God hit him like a bolt of lightning. That would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? Have electricity pouring through your body. And, and God said, I've, I've heard your cry. I've seen your tears, and I'm answering. He said, he said, I knew my soul was on the border, on the borderland of a great expanse, and I was not fully satisfied until I crossed over. It was not a, a, about a, a greater intimacy with Jesus uh, for more power or for more deliverance, but he wanted an encounter. 
with the love of God. He wanted to live in this, in this, in this intimacy with God. And when it hit him, he, he said he saw things differently. He saw people differently. This love of God flooded his life. He, he saw people like he'd never seen them before. And he was possessed with a hunger. And he gave this, this, he gave a message on spiritual hunger. And he said, nations have learned that you can do almost anything with people until they get hungry. And when they get hungry, watch Watch out. There's a certain desperation that accompanies hunger. It's the greatest persuader that I know. Whoa. <laughs> when God begins to bring that ultimate cry of your heart, like Jesus, Jesus, he says, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone, like this isn't for, for, for the elite or, you know, Jesus doesn't care who your da dad was, if he was a pastor or if he was a prisoner. He doesn't care what job you had. He doesn't care what you're doing now. He's, he, he's saying there's an invitation. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, you, you can have. You can, you, can, you can receive. You can go after this. God is no respecter of persons, and he invites us. There's a man uh, that, that um, uh, was alive during... Uh, during John G. Lake, his name was Don Van Buren, and he was he he was a, a butcher in South Africa. John G. Lake tells the story that 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 uh, he went to his doctor. His doctor doctor said, "You have tuberculosis. Go home. Put your put your things in order because you're going to die within the year." So he goes home, and 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 he sells everything. He buys a farm, and he hears about John G. Lake and what's happening, and he says, "God." He goes out into the forest. He goes out into this bush, and, and, and he begins to cry out to God. He said, God, I've heard what you've done, the miracles you've done for those people. They're out of wheelchairs, crazy miracles, deliverance, blind seeing, lame walking. God, what you did for them, I know you can do it for me. Oh, God. He was crying out to God. And then this mighty wind came and blew through the trees and then blew right into him. It blew right into his lungs and blew this tuberculosis right out of his lungs. And he was filled with holy fire. And he goes home to his wife who he'd been praying for for 18 years. And he goes, he walks into the house and he looks at his wife. And, and, the, and this woman looks at him and she falls to the ground, to her knees, and she cries out, and she says, oh, pray for me. I need to get right with God. And this woman gets saved looking at her husband. That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> and then, then God says, go, go to the government. So he walks into the mayor's office, and the mayor tells a story that when he saw this man as he walked in, it was an old friend, and he looks in his eyes from 15 feet away, and he says, I was shaking from head to foot, trembling, I fell out of my chair. And, and I cried out. And he says, a new cry has come into my spirit. A new prayer has come into my spirit. God just got this man. Woo, the power of God. And God wants to give us a new cry. Well, maybe, maybe it's the same cry. Maybe it's the, the prayer that we've prayed a thousand times. But we say, oh, God, I want to lay hold of this. I believe that you're going to do this thing. I'm going to lay hold of this prayer, and I'm going to, I'm going to believe you that you are going to do it. I'm not going to let you go. I believe that you're going to fill me with your glory. And even if we've prayed it over and over, 
We've got to lay hold. We've got to keep going. We've got to, we've got to believe it, that God is going to answer the cry, that deep cry of your heart. Psalm 130 says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O God. O God, hear my prayer. Our nation is in a desperate place, isn't it? It's in a desperate place. I believe God is looking to his church to cry out, even for this nation. God, God gives us, uh, Jesus gives us three stories that will encourage us, I believe, this morning. Uh, that we will say, God, don't just give me a nice cry or a right cry. Don't give me a safe cry or a little cry. God, give me a deep cry. Mark chapter 10. Jesus comes into Jericho. And if you want to go there, you can. Mark chapter 10. It says, Jesus walks into Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, what does that tell us about Jericho? <laughs> Not much happened in Jericho. <laughs> he walked in, he walked through it, and he walked out. Okay, not much is going on in Jericho. All right? Mark chapter 10. And he walks through Jericho. And as Jesus is walking through Jericho, as he walks out of it, there's a blind man. There's a blind man named Bartimaeus. And he is sitting by the roadside begging. There's this blind man. Oh, blindness. Wouldn't you hate to be blind your whole life? I don't know. I would. But, but I think blind people have such an incredible sense. They see, I think, often. Well, Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who see, right? Um, and, and oftentimes, sometimes we don't see. But, but here, this, this blind man who tried, but there was no cure. There was no help. There was no solution for his blindness. And he had been sitting in that blindness for years. And then there was a moment, there was a window of opportunity when this man, Jesus, was passing him by. And at that moment, he started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. I mean, he was going crazy. He was going wild. All the people around him like saying, be quiet. They were rebuking him. They said, stop it. You're making a bad impression on us. We're wanting to impress this healer. He's the new prophet. He's, he's a wild guy. We want to impress him. What are you doing? Be quiet. And he was not going to be put off. He had a vision in his spirit that if he got this man's attention, he could be healed and he could have his sight back and nothing was going to keep him quiet. There was this window, this one window in all of his life and Jesus was passing by and he began to cry out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Woo. And then this amazing verse in 49. Jesus stopped. Wow! He got God's attention. And Jesus stopped. Oh. Oh, and he said, call him. And everyone's going, oh, wow, he's heard you. Oh, oh, go, go, cheer up. Get on your feet. Go and see. He's calling you. Throwing aside his cloak. 
he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said, hi, hi, I'm, I'm Jesus. What's your name? Oh, Bartimaeus. Oh, and what do you? No, no, Jesus was not interested. <laughs> he didn't need to know about his past history. He didn't know what he, he didn't need to know what he had for breakfast. He said, there's something in you. There's a deep cry in you that has touched the deep cry in me, the deep place in me. And I, I recognize that cry. That's a costly cry. And that cry has touched the deep in me. Whoa! And then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Here, a blank check. What do you want? <laughs> do you guys want to say that? Whoa! What do you want me to do for you? How awesome is that? A blank check. Jesus stopped. He heard that cry. Why? Because the deep in him touched the deep in God. The deep cry. The deep cry over years of crying out. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man. In a moment. The son of God becomes a servant's beggar. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Blank check, what do you want? What would happen if we got desperate? Woo! All of us together started going after. I know we are, but let's, I want to provoke it. Let's go after it more. Let's go after Jesus and his kingdom more. Let's push, pa push past all the status quo of what people think. And let's press in. And let's go after. I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> Connie, stir it up. You, you've got a moment here. You've got a, you, this, is, this, is, this time in our life, it's never going to happen again. And Jesus is passing by. I want to lay hold of God. I want to cry out to him. There's this window. We want to get his attention. Do you know God does for hungry people what, he's, what he doesn't do for anyone else? There are things that God does for hungry people that he won't do for anyone else. Because God responds to hunger. That's a principle in the kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for my righteousness. They will be filled. I say to my students, if you can go without it, you'll go without it. But if you can't, if you can't, and something of the Spirit of God gets on you and invokes that cry, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus tells us another story about a Canaanite woman who had a daughter who was severely demon-possessed. Do you know what that looks like? I don't think that would be pleasant. Uh, I mean, de severely demon-possessed. We have hospitals. that look after people 
that haven't had breakthroughs. And this woman had tried everything. She'd gone to every seminar. She'd read every book. She had tried everything of her prayers and washing him in the word. And she tried everything and nothing worked. And here she is in this place of absolute desperation. Mark chapter 5. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Matthew 15. And she is in this place of desperation. And she came and she said, I'm done with meth methods. There's a man in my, who's coming in my town and I'm going to go. I'm going to push through every barrier. I'm going to push through every resistance. I'm going to break through so I can receive what I can receive only from this man. I want to go after him. And you know the story. She, she, she comes. Uh, so, so we see, we see her. Um, let me just get to the 15 and it says uh, that Jesus was leaving this place and uh, and 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 Jesus was on his way um, uh, to to heal um, I, I'm having a little bit of a okay <laughs> so, so this Canaanite woman, and she's crying out, Lord! She sees her moment of opportunity, and she begins to cry out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She, said, she says, my daughter, she's, she's suffering terribly, severely from this demon possession. And what does Jesus do? Now, guys, uh, this is going to offend you. Jesus does nothing. He walks right past her. She's crying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter, she has, she has severe, uh, she's demon possessed severely. He just walks right past her. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, you guys, I wonder if when we start seeking God for spiritual hunger, we're going to get that. That's the first Brass heaven that she received right there. No response from Jesus. Nothing. What do we do when we cry out to God for something? And we get nothing. We hear nothing. Nothing happens. Do we run away? Do we go into our self-comfort mode? <laughs> do we go and, and, and try and medicate ourselves do we get angry? Do we stop off? It doesn't work. God's not there for me. What do we do? What does she do? So she runs after the disciples. And she cries out again to them, help me. Oh, please help me. Help me. Help me. And they, and they said to Jesus, oh, Jesus, do something about this woman. This is, this is, this is embarrassing. I mean, this is humiliating. Look at what she's doing. How humiliating, how humiliating she is. Are we willing to be humiliated to get our answer? And she didn't care. She kept going after it. And Jesus gives her the second brass heaven. And he says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Oh, man. Oh, man, if you weren't offended the first time, you're going to be seriously offended now. 
right? I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I mean, this is crazy. And she begins, what, what, you know, what, what does she do with that? This Gentile woman who's crying out for her demon-possessed daughter to be set free. What does she do with that hit in the face, that slap? What does she do with Jesus' second resistance? I only go to the, to the lost house of Israel. She begins to worship him. And she says, oh, Lord, help me. Help me. And Jesus pulls out the last punch. And he says, it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to their little dogs. Oh, he says, you're a dog. And what I have is only for the house of Israel. Oh, oh, oh. What does this woman do? It's crazy. That woman takes his jab and she turns it into intercession. And she says, yes, but even the dogs, the little dogs, eat what falls from the master's table. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? She doesn't turn away and go, okay, well, I've tried it. It doesn't work. I'm, 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 I'm self-pity, dis disappointment, failure, forget it, rejection. No, no. She let this pain go deep inside of her pain. This cry came out from a deep place. And she said, she said yes, but even, the, even the, the Gentiles, even the, what, the dogs, even the dogs, Get to eat the crumbs that fall from your table. Oh. Mm. She takes this offensive statement and turns it into a cry of intercession, of faith. And you know what? We see all along that Jesus has been drawing her out, drawing her out to give a message to, to his disciples and to us, to the world. He's declaring, but he's, well, what he said to her, great. He says to the woman, great is your faith. What you want is yours. Whoa, what you want is yours. And here he's, he's, he's speaking to us and he's, he's declaring that the Gentiles are going to press through. They're going to break through and they're going to make the Jews really jealous as they see God pouring out favor on them. A people who aren't called by their name, but who don't take no for an answer, who run after God, who run after his heart because they know he's good, and they run in and they break through every barrier, every resistance. <laughs> and that's what Jesus here, he is drawing this out. He's drawing it out of her, and he wants to draw it out of us in these places of desperation and pain. And, and trouble and suffering and, 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 and seemingly impossible situations. And God is, is, is wooing us. He's, I mean, basically, we have two options, right? We, we either retreat, run away, forget the whole thing, or we press through for breakthrough. We lay hold of this, and we don't stop until we get it, until we see what God wants to give us. We don't stop.
we can take those most painful areas in our life and turn them into deep intercession. Things that God, that touches God's heart, the deep in us that touches the deep in him. And this last story in Luke 8 is of Jairus' daughter. And it says, now when Jesus returned, uh, a crowd uh, welcomed him. It's also somewhere else. And this, and this man, Jairus, who's, who's the ruler of a synagogue, he says, come, my, my, my daughter's dying or, or she's dead. <laughs> come, will you come? Will you come? And he says, yes, I'll come. So he's on his way to Jairus' house to raise his daughter when, when, he is, when there's a, this woman. There's a woman who had an issue of blood. She had an issue of blood. This, Jairus' daughter is 12 years old. And this woman has an issue of blood for 12 years. As long as this girl has been alive, this woman has been bleeding. I don't know. Is there something there? I don't know. But it's an interesting coincidence. And, and, and here, uh, she, she is there in this place. And Jesus is walking by. Now, this is a woman who has spent everything she had to get well. She, it, says, it says in Mark that she suffered terribly, Mark 5, from the, from the hands of many doctors. What a, what a terrible journey for her that she was on to try desperately because she was unclean, because she was ostracized, because of bleeding. She, she, was, she was like an unclean person. And she spent everything she had to be healed. And here she is. And Jesus walks right by this woman. I wonder if he knew. But she'd been suffering for 12 years. He just walks right by her. But what does she do? She says, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And that's what she does. She reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. Oh, and then I love this. He stopped. <laughs> and, 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 and then he, he says this amazing thing, who touched me? I mean, the disciples, Peter, he's like, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? There are thousands of people, and everybody's touching you. Everybody's around you. You're in the middle of a mass mob. What do you mean who touched you? He, he said, yeah, I, I know that. I see that there are thousands of people around me, but only one person touched me. Only one touched me. There are thousands of people that surround me, that love my books, Love the CDs, CDs, love everything, love everything about me. But only one broke through and touched me. Do you know we never hear about this woman again? She never had a famous ministry. She never did anything crazy. But she laid hold of something in God, and she received complete healing that day. She touched him. The deep in her touched the deep in him. And it changed everything. It changed everything. And she confessed and Jesus turned. And he turns and says to her, you've got what you want. Go in peace. And today, what's the issue 
What's the issue in your life? I, I, I mean, is it something you're praying about? Is it for a family member you're crying out for? Is, 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 it, is, it, is it for your own personal life? Is it, is it for, for healing or sickness? You know, there's something that needs to be healed, a sickness or an illness or somebody else's? I, I want to encourage us today to just say, God, just, just infect me with a greater hunger and thirst for your righteousness than I've ever had before. Oh, God, I want more. And I want you to give me a more. I've got to have more in my heart today. I want you to, to wreck me. I want, I want, it's that deep calling out to deep. And God, I believe, is, is looking for our response to say, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want? And, and I believe it in every se- season of our life, it's going to look different. Because of what we're going through, the circumstances that we're in and the pressure. John G. Lake, he said, if I could give anyone anything, I'd give them a hunger for God. And I I believe that God sets up scenarios. I mean, look at these three scenarios. God sets these things up so that he awakens. He, He gets us into this place where this desire possesses us and we begin to cry out for what we need. He puts this prayer in our heart. He infects us (laughs) with this virus, this prayer. And then he tests it. Do you remember Joseph? He gave him this strong word about what he was going to do in his life. And then for the next few decades, he tests that word. He tests him. And some of us have had a word a while ago. And God's been testing it. He's been testing it like Zechariah and Elizabeth when God gave them that, a, a cry in their heart for a son. Do you remember that? They cried. They cried. She cried her whole uh, life to have a son until it was impossible. And they, they had prayed for so long, but then they forgot the prayer. So that, so that when, when they were in the, in, you know, when, when Zechariah was, was doing his uh, duties at the temple and the angel appears, he says, your prayers have been answered. He's like, what prayer? It was so long ago, you didn't even remember the prayer. What prayer? And God, sometimes, he, he doesn't forget. God doesn't forget. Even though we may forget, God doesn't forget. He's got that prayer. And he is working on you and working to perform it in us. And it may take it may take years. I mean, when we start out, we've been praying for 25 years. And that's prayer. God's taken us on a journey for this youth awakening, leading to a missions movement. This is a prayer that we're crying out for. What's the prayer in your heart? God takes you on a journey as you seek him, as you cry out for him. And it becomes the thing that drives your life. What's the prayer? What's the cry in your heart today? What are you going to reach out and touch Jesus for today? What is it? What is it that you're believing him for? That you're going to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I believe God wants to meet us. He wants, and maybe, maybe it's because, God, I don't really have spiritual hunger. 
And maybe that's the cry today. God, would you awaken such a hunger in me for your word, for your presence, for your kingdom. I want to know you. Could I invite the worship team to come up? Maybe today you want to stand with me and cry out. There's a prayer burning on your heart. Maybe you've been discouraged because it hasn't happened, and you thought, well, God's not going to answer it. God doesn't care. God's not interested. Oh, he is interested. He's very interested. Oh, he cares, and he cares deeply about what you care deeply about. Would you like to stand with me and just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, there's a cry, God. There's a prayer in our heart. We live in the city of Cambridge. It's not saved yet. We have family members that are not saved yet. Jesus, I see stuff in my life I'm not pleased with, God, and I, I, I want to be saved. I want to be like you, Jesus. Oh, God, would you do something today? Something, Lord, to make me part of the answer. Something in my heart, God. Change me, rearrange me. Lord, each one of us, as we stand here before you with our prayer, with our cry that hasn't yet been answered, why don't you offer it to Jesus? Give him that disappointment, give him that frustration, and say, Jesus, I'm going after it. I'm going after you, and I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go.